0: to the Basketball Doctors podcast. My name is Marco Lopez. I am a doctor of physical therapy and certified strength conditioning coach. My name is Gabe Ignacio. I'm a doctor of physical therapy. Our goal is to empower our listeners with evidence-based information of all things basketball. That includes injuries, recovery, rehab, nutrition, sports performance, and training. We will be interviewing key influencers to help you become a more well-rounded athlete at any skill level. Now we have one question for you. Are you You ready ready to ball for life? Let's get it. Hey, what's up everyone? It's Marco from the Basketball Doctors. Basketball is played in different planes of motion, meaning you'll go one direction, other direction, transverse direction, laterally. So you're not always playing in one motion. The real question is, are you ready for those motions? Are you strengthening in those motions? Today, we have a special guest, Justin Landry. Basketball performance coach at Georgia State University. He's going to go over three-dimensional strengthening and all the things about it and why you should be doing it at home and at your workouts to better prepare you for the game. Hey, Justin, thanks for coming on. So tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Thank you for having me on. You know, I'm originally from Oakland, California, born and raised. Most of my adult years have been spent in the Midwest and the South, started out, As a personal trainer, uh, working with kids from all over, from junior high all the way up to professional. Went to became a physical therapy aide, and then now you know transitioned to a strength conditioning coach. Uh, I've been working as a strength conditioning coach now for the last seven
0: years in uh, college, uh, and loving every bit of it. Oh man, I didn't know you were from Oakland, North Cal, man. (laughs) You're a Warriors fan or a Sacramento Kings? Diehard Warriors fan, all day every day. Oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, talking about basketball, so what what sparked your interest in basketball itself, the sport, and then you going into the realm of just mostly basketball right now? Uh, well, I,
1: I wasn't a very good basketball player in school. Uh, I, re- I actually competed collegially uh, in track and field, but everyone around me played basketball. My older brother, my younger brother, uh, and all my friends uh, they played basketball. And then for me, as I started to get towards the end of my uh, collegiate career I started getting more and more questions about strength conditioning by basketball coaches and players. Um, A lot of them they were either coming off of injury or just trying to get in better shape Uh, and that's what kind of shaped me because I always had a passion of being in basketball just wasn't good at it. This was my avenue of being able to be in basketball studying uh, strength conditioning applying
0: it to the game of basketball. I love that man that's like you know, people have different paths. You know, some people grew up playing basketball. Others just kind of picked it up from just their family and friends. And then you're like, you just get just invested and just like attracted to the game. You're like, man, you can see the improvements. You probably see it with all your athletes when you are training. Like you could actually see quick improvements. Not so much quick, but you see the changes on the court in starting from the weight room, you know? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about, you know, start making some changes on the court by starting the weight room. Let's talk about three-dimensional training and strengthening. Can you kind of talk to us about what this whole concept is? I know some people, It's kind of just to break it up for the audience, um, three-dimensional is like the planes of motion, but we're going to talk about just like how uh, the whole theory of basketball is playing in this different kind of planes of motion, and we have to kind of strengthen it. But Justin will kind of go on more on this topic. So, Justin, go, go ahead. Talk to us about yeah, that. Yes, so,
1: uh, 3D um, was started actually by the great Institute, Gary Gray and under the science of applied functional science. 3D, um, the best way to describe it is thinking of yourself or your environment as a sphere. It's round. uh, And so you have to be able to control yourself in space. So we have sagittal plane, which is forward and backwards, frontal plane, which is lateral, and then rotational. Uh, And all three of those planes motion, you have to be able to move in those in our environment, whether it's an everyday activity, or especially in a game of basketball because the game of basketball is an unpredictable sport. Uh, and so the tasks that are at hand that you're calling your body to be able to do, you're doing in all three planes of these motions. And you have three principles that you are focusing in on. Uh, gravity, which is always pushing us down. And so you're fighting against gravity. You have your ground reaction force in which that's the amount of force that you're placing into the ground. And then the mass momentum, you coming from a dead stop into a start and being able to move against objects that are pushing against you as well.
0: Perfect. I love that definition. You broke it. I love the whole sphere analogy. I think that's a great way to visualize it. Um, just based on that, you know, you gave us a definition and uh, all the motions, how basketball is. How do we implement this into basketball? Like how do we, how do you go about it in and strengthen? What movements do you use? Kind of can you give us like, what you're using this to in the weight room and in basketball, how it correlates in basketball.
1: So our movements that we use is just like the movements that you would see in the game of basketball in a sense of you're going to lunge, you're going to squat, you're going to pull, you're going to pull down the ball for a re- from a rebound. You're going to push. You're going to try and get a guy off of you to create space. Uh, you're going to shuffle. You're going to run. You're going to walk at some point. You're going to find yourself doing a crossover step, which is also called a karaoke. You're going to pivot. You're going to do these things in the game of basketball. So we utilize those things in the weight room. Sagittal playing is where primarily strength is developed. When you see someone in the weight room, when they're squatting, when they're deadlifting, when they're benching. And again, that is forward and backwards. Or if you're lying flat onto your back on a bench, it's up and down. So my job is to make sure that our guys, our basketball athletes, are efficient in those movement patterns. So we have our foundation uh, in which we start off by just seeing how someone moves without any weight in their hand. Uh, so I wanna see how someone can squat. And so how we lay our squat, we don't just squat, with just our toes going forward. but so we start off toes going forward and then we go wider with our feet. So we call it just a wide stance. And then we can go narrow where those feet are together. We can go back to, our feet being hip-width apart, but turning those feet out. And then we go ahead and turn those toes in uh, for an in, internal rotation. And so we do those things because, one, I need to be able to see how are your hips moving, how is your thoracic spine, how are your ankles moving. Because, again, these are uh, areas in which are common injuries in the game, in basketball, ankle sprains. Uh, if your hips are tight and aren't moving right, sometimes you come up with knee injuries. And if your back, if your mid-back is bothering you, then, you know, your shoulders aren't going to be moving right. So you may have tight shoulders. You may also still have tight hips because if your hips are tight, your uh, mid-back can be tight and so forth and on down the line. But it's all a chain reaction. So if something up top isn't moving right, that means something at the bottom, you're starting with your feet may not be moving right. And starting with feet and going up. If your feet aren't moving right, then on up the chain, something isn't moving right. And so just identifying that uh, as we're going through a squat patterns, not looking at individuals as the same person because everyone is different. Everyone moves differently. And so um, I'm looking to make sure that when they're performing these squats, that it is efficient for them because I'm not going to ask a seven footer to look the exact same as someone that's six feet. You know, and then I'm looking at a lunge. Can you lunge appropriately? And I can change the distance of that lunge. And a lunge is defined as taking a step in a direction and returning right back to that same spot you just left from. Uh, And so, you know, I'm looking at can they lunge forward, can they lunge laterally, and can they lunge rotationally and turn and get into that position appropriately. And an appropriate motion would be Are they able to sit their hips back as they are lunging laterally or rotationally? Can they get to full extension of that back leg when they're lunging forward? I can also go into a uh, reverse lunge or a crossover lateral lunge where I'm taking my right foot and crossing over to my left because in the game basketball, you're asking yourself to do a crossover step to get in front of the offensive player if he just made a move to get in front of you. So those are some of the things that I'm looking at. Some of the patterns I'm looking at first get a guy on some of our movements that we're doing.
0: No, those are huge. Those are huge points. I love how you kind of screen out. You do like little, it's kind of like a functional movement screen per se, you know, you're just kind of yeah. moving around at their positions. You get their big, you know, kind of switch up their hips. And the biggest thing, we got to get their hips moving, ankles moving, upper back moving, or that's kind of like, those are the big mobile joints. And I, The big point I think you mentioned is every person is different. I can't stress that enough. Like a seven footer is not going to move the way the six footer does. If they do, he's probably like Giannis or something, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Let's talk about you know we're moving into different planes of motion. We're attacking it. How do we start? Let's say the lunge. How do we kind of progress to that? Besides, you know, once they're we're doing it with just body weight. So. I have four phases
1: that I go through with the with the guy during our training. Uh, so our first phase lasts four weeks. And during that first phase, we start off with the isometric hold in all three planes. We're going for 15 seconds, 20 seconds, 25 seconds, and then eventually we'll end at 30 seconds because I want to be able to build up the tissue, the muscles over time to be able to withstand load. And so our next phase, our next four weeks, we'll be adding a load so it could be a dumbbell or it could be a med ball or it can even be a weight vest. But we're lunging now again in those uh, planes of motion that we just held for isometric, for a long uh, isometric to now going into the eccentric. So if I'm gonna go into a four lunge, I'm stepping into it and then I'm coming down for three seconds and then I'm exploding out of it. So I'm not only teaching them how to get into a position and owning it, but now I'm teaching them how to explode out of it. The game basketball, you have to be fast, you have to be explosive, and you have to be strong in the movement patterns that you're doing. And then our next phase would be a isometric, again, but with load, but not holding as long as we were holding before. So now it will follow the same sequence as our eccentric. So week one will be three seconds, four seconds, five seconds, and then six seconds at fourth week. And then our last phase would be There's no tempo, and this is what we normally utilize when we're in season. We wouldn't use any tempo, but the low goes up. So at this time, we're usually using some dumbbells. Um, We have guys who have 40 to 50, maybe even guys who have 60-pound dumbbells in their hand, and they're performing our lunge matrix. So, And lunge matrix can be any of our vectors. So vectors would be for lateral, drop step, and then also anterior, lateral, so that would be a 45 degree angle, like a jab step. Or I can go at a posterior lateral, which is just right in between a lateral and a rotational lunge, because now you're creating space from that defender and creating space. And so you can, and then you go out of sync, which is taking your right leg and reverse lunge behind your left foot. So it would be more at an angle rather than directly behind you. And then our last lunge would just be that right foot now going out of sync, but going anterior lateral, which would be our right foot crossing over our left leg going forward, but in between lateral and anterior, uh, which would just be going forward. So um, those are lunges that we would normally do um, to make sure that we're strengthening in those planes uh, with underload, uh, making sure that um, what we saw early on we're doing our screening and when we're doing just body weight, that those things look
0: better now, progress through it. Yeah. I love that four-step progression. I I love, I love how you just kind of go isometrics, master that position, feel comfortable. Then you start at, you know, kind of going to that progression to finally loading. I love that whole step rows because sometimes they might just jump into it before they are able even to achieve that motion per se. They might not even have the range of motion and then you'll be able to be comfortable in that position kind of go from there. Let's talk about just a quick thing in regards to, you know, we're talking about loading the person. Do you do any of this three-dimensional stuff as a warm-up?
1: Absolutely. Every single day, whether we're stepping into a weight room, getting ready for practice, getting ready for a game, uh, we're going to always address three issues um, that we talked about just a little while ago, the ankle, the hip, and the thoracic spine. Those three areas, without a doubt, we're going to address every time I see an athlete. Normally, when we step in to a weight room uh, or practice or before a game, we're going to start off with the foam roll. We're going to roll out. Just, uh, I just want to see. I want them to get those muscles ready to go. Uh, and then from there, getting them up onto their feet uh, because, again, the game of basketball is played on your feet. So uh, how we start off, we'll normally go up to a wall. Uh, And we're going through leg swings. We'll go with an extended leg and a 90-degree leg. And the reason being is that I want the ankle to open up. I want the ankle to move. I don't want it to be uh, locked up in the tennis shoe or in the tape. Uh, I want it to move, and I don't want the athletes to feel restricted, that they have to stay in that one position with that ground foot. And then from there, I like to call it break dancers, where you're facing the wall, but you're turning your hips, so it really gets those hips going. And you're actually going into a a lunge laterally with that right leg and then turning and going to the left side, uh, the left leg going to your right, getting those hips going. Uh, and then from there, I can go through our lunge patterns. We're going to go through our lunge patterns with a either a rotation or reach. And so I like to mix it up because I just don't want to get stagnant with it. Those reaches and rotations, it allows the athlete to get the body moving as one rather than just focusing on the lower body. And those reaches actually give the athletes some ownership uh, because they start to get a good feel of how are their body feels, how is their body feeling right now uh, during this point in time uh, as they're warming up uh, and getting that feedback from them as far as how they're feeling with those sequences. Uh, from there, then we're going to go ahead and I like to call it the heat series. So we're really going to start heating it up and getting the body moving, getting that temperature going. How we go about doing it, we're going to start with some skips. And so normally we'll go, I call it low skips. So we're just keeping that heel low to the ground, but really pushing off the ball of your feet to get you, get you moving forward and also getting yourself moving backwards. So we'll go forward skips and then we'll go backward skips. We're always going to go with a shuffle. So we're always swinging those arms above our head. Again, you got to be able to shoot ball, got to be able to rebound. Uh, so we're gonna go ahead, shuffle down room, shuffle back. We're gonna karaoke. So turning those hips again, because now we open it up. The leg swings. Now I need this, those feet to really come in contact with the ground and be able to push you off, so you're ready to go. And then we're gonna go into a, the wave slide. So you are sliding backwards at an angle, which would just be our transverse plane that we're hitting. Uh, and you're going two slides each way from there. We'll then go into backwards A-skip to, again, open up those hips, get them a good feel of uh, how their hips are feeling now after we went through leg swings and we went through those skips because now those hips should be feeling looser. And then from there, uh, we'll go with some defensive stance quick hops because I want uh, now, right before we go to practice, I want that nervous system firing. I want them talking. Uh, but also, I want them to know what their feet should feel like and what their body should feel like before, as we go into practice. So we're not starting out slow. So that's normally our sequence. It usually takes us about 10 to 12 minutes to get our warm up going and, and getting guys ready to go.
0: Damn, that's huge. I love that warm up, man. I love how we're focusing on hip, thoracic spine, ankle, and then like, getting some lunge patterns, moving in different directions. I think one thing that just popped in my mind, and I, I think it's kind of like a misconception those leg swings, when you're facing the wall, it's a huge ankle. Mobility exercise. I think people would think it's just for the hips, but like no. your ankle's moving through that transverse plate. And I like how you said, take out the tape away, because my biggest thing is right now is there's too much taping going on. Honestly, if, uh, it's restricting ankle range of motion, and we know we yeah. need dorsiflexion range of motion. We need the ankle to move in these different directions. And my bias, there's a place in time for ankle taping, and that's following an ankle sprain, or if they're trying to get back so you can limit, you know, further. But I actually want the ankle to be moving a lot. Cause that's a you know, we've shown research that more ankle mobility decreases your risk for any, you know, landing activities. And that's usually where mm-hmm. you kind of injure yourself. So I'm huge on that. Get them out of their shoes and out of their especially those socks, their socks are pretty thick and that yes. limits already just the sensory feedback from the ground. But I like that. How would a training session look like for you, for your guys? You know, are you still doing like the heavy, you know, sagittal plane moves, maybe like a hex bar deadlift? or are you kind of staying away from those and just working more on single leg movements in the beginning? Like in regards to like programming wise, like how do we program this into our training box? Meaning like, you know, I'm, as an athlete perspective, those guys that are listening, how do I implement this stuff that Justin's saying into my training regimen? And for the trainers, coaches, like, how do we, you know, program this around? So the heavy
1: sagittal playing movements does have a place in our program. Uh, we don't shy away from that. You know, it's something that is going to help. It helps to keep our athletes healthy uh, explosive and powerful on the floor. Um, The 3D movements, they have a place in our program year round as well. Uh, And so at a time like this, in which uh, many of us are away from our athletes uh, with this break that we're we're going going through uh, with the virus, you know, I'm sending my guys programs, email and text so that they can get themselves moving. Uh, and moving uh, and getting a great sweat out of it. So how we normally start a training session would be we have four to five blocks, um, and I letter them, uh, so our block A is our explosive block. Uh, so our explosive block, especially like right now, will be reintroducing plyometrics and embracing those, those qualities that we need to get into more advanced plyometrics down the road. So, for instance, so right now we would start with a snap down which is you're standing up tall, you're up onto your toes, your arms are above your head, and you're explosive and powerful with those arms, swinging them down towards the ground and landing into a power position or, for instance, a shooting position. And so we do three to five reps of that, three to five sets, three to five reps of doing that, just reintroducing those things. We play around with the year-round. For instance, we can be landing in a power position. Some guys I have snapping into a defensive stance. Position. Uh, so now they're owning that defensive stance and knowing what that defense stance should look like uh, and getting really good at it. Block A2 would essentially be another plyometric. So we want to a snap down. So now my A2 can be a jab step. So I'm jabbing at 45 degrees. You know, right now we don't need a med bar or anything like that. You just use your hands, just jabbing and returning right back to that base position, that power position. Three to five reps on each side there three to five sets there so you have your block a which is your explosive movement your b block would be your main strength block for the day so for instance uh, right now um, we could we're focusing more on our 3d movements so we'll go lunge matrix we can go anywhere between four to five sets on our lunge matrix and four to six reps in each plane so that could Take you anywhere between 12 to 24 reps on each leg. So you're really building up that quality moving in those planes. Our common lunge matrix is something that we're doing right now. So that would be four lunges forward, four lunges lateral, four lunges rotationally on that right leg, and then you're repeating that same thing in your left leg. B2 will be push ups. So with our push ups, we're going with isometrics at the bottom. So we're going anywhere between five to eight reps on our push-ups. And we're just focusing strictly on quality. So if you get to five reps and you can't maintain that position, then you're stopping right there. But you have a three-second hold at the bottom, and then you're exploding out of it. Uh, And what we try and tell our guys is when you're in that push-up position, imagine that you have a string attached to your chest and to the floor, and that string is pulling down to the ground, rather than you just falling down to the ground. So you're trying to maintain tension all the way down to the ground and coming back up. And then our B3 would be a core exercise. So right now, our core exercise would be a reverse crunch. Uh, So we're just lying flat onto our back and bringing those knees up into our chest and then bring those feet back down to the ground. That'd be between 12 to 15 reps, three sets of that. Our block C would be another strength block. Right now, if you have a pull-up bar, they're doing pull-ups, and if they don't have access to a pull-up bar, they're lying prone on the floor and going with ISO Y holds with those arms fully extended. Uh, C2 uh, would be a back to our lunge matrix, but now we're going lunge matrix with a rotation. We're rotating those elbows uh, over that front leg, so we just call that just a common rotation uh, over that leg. Again, we're still going with our four to six reps where we just drop those sets down to three. And then our block D, I really try and leave that up to them as far as what they want to do with that, but I give them a couple of choices, which can be an isometric hold, um, which we would, a split squat iso to piggyback off what we did our previous blocks with our single leg work, or they can go to a glute bridge hold for time, and that time would be anywhere between a minute to two minutes. Um, As long as their lower back is not kicking in or they can go outside uh, and get some hill runs in uh, or some tempo runs in on the grass. Uh, so we just give them a couple options of what they want to do on that block D. I, and I know many of them are not going to go and run the heels. So I try and give them, so I go ahead and give them the, the other two options as well just to make sure that not only are we getting our strength work in and owning positions and getting strong in those positions, but also, uh getting the uh, get some cardiovascular work in as well
0: yeah and i love the last part that you said like the the whole autonomy give the athlete some some kind of choice at the end you know So <laughs> just get yes. the, you know, it's not like they're forced you know you're like hey you got to get your mandatory work in and i'll give you these three options and i think that really gets the buy-in from the athlete perspective i love the love the the whole little home workout yeah, what's kind of another tip type of like i would say plyometrics i know you talked about advanced plyometrics do you mean like jumping in different directions, playing emotions motions, like hops? Or, what does like advanced plyometrics mean, per se, in three-dimensional realm?
1: There are several ways you can do plyometrics when it comes to 3D. Uh, we call it jumps, hops, which is a hop would just be, not two, landing on two, but it is a shorter distance than you would for a jump, which you're essentially, for a jump, we call a jump, jumping up onto an implement, so it could be a bench or a box. You can go into a leap which is jumping off one, landing on one. And we also have what we call a jop, jumping off two feet and landing on one foot. Uh, What we call advanced would be, so we started off what we talked about with the intro, would be our snap down to whether it's a defense stance or just into that power position. Our next phase would be a snap down into a jump onto a box. And it could be lateral, it can be, a rotation, so I can be my left side can be facing that box and snap that snap down. I'm now rotating into the air and land onto that box. It can be a jop, jumping off, snapping down into two and landing on a one foot on that box or a bench. And then it gets more advanced as we add in a med ball or reaction. So someone can be going off of a clap from a coach or a post player going to an overhead rip into a box jump. And we like to really implement that down the road like in the summertime because we want the guys to be able to really start putting things together. But we don't want what we're doing, into the w- doing in the weight room to not translate to the floor. And so we talk about that every day. And so me putting the med ball into a guy's hand and asking to go into an overhead rip because we would have been doing overhead rips for our core work. So now he's going to an overhead rip into a jump because now we've been doing overhead rips. We've been doing into a jumps. Now it's the movement. It's a pattern that they've been doing that they do on the floor. So now I want them to do it here. And so many people will say you shouldn't do that. But I say, yes, you should because the game of basketball again is unpredictable since the game of basketball is unpredictable. If I only expect my athlete to do this pattern during a game or occasionally at practice, then I'm doing them a disservice because their body is not used to doing these exercises regularly. And so if you do something regularly, you become just like you shoot a free throw, you shoot threes, you do layups, you get better at it. And it's my job to make sure that they are moving efficiently through that pattern that they continue to be explosive in doing so man
0: that is that is great i love that i love that that was a lot all those points about just like you have to you know make it back into the basketball court because i think that gets buy-in too like why am i doing this like hey this is why we're doing it that's why you i love the whole concept of the jab and everything and just kind of controlling that to kind of finish with the podcast what's your favorite three-dimensional movement you know i had shout out to like lisa and john meyer i don't know if you're familiar with them they uh, kind of, I learned some stuff from them and they walked me through this like 26 lunge. I thought you could only do like four different lunges, you know, lateral, three-dimensional. It's like you throw all these reaches in. I was like, man, that's crazy. <laughs> like what's, um, and that's kind of like the lunge major that you talk about. But there's so many, you know, you're talking about reaches and everything. What's your favorite move?
1: it would have to be vertical core. And so being able to train my core and all three planes standing being able to go the various chops and reaches and rotations and side bends that I can go through with it, and then being able to also pull a partner into it and going through some manual resistance with it. And then, you know, for me, it's easy for me to uh, teach my athletes how to do it and for them to really grasp those concepts of what we're doing comes to vertical court and getting it to translate onto the floor when they have a teammate or an opponent leaning on them and they are and they are maintaining that space in their environment that they're in and continue to get stronger and more explosive in it.
0: I like how you mentioned just the teaching component like again we re-emphasize as long as you continue communicating like why we're doing this and I like how you said like it's an easy way to kind of translate you know tell the uh, athlete like and hey, this is why we're doing it. And this is like easily transferred. I love that. It makes it easy for them just to learn and perform. Just to kind of go off on this three-dimensional stuff, like oh, the training, strengthening movement, where can people find you? Like where can they contact you if they want to either work with you or learn from you or just some, you know, learn anything or have any questions they want to ask you, how can they contact you or find you?
1: You know, my email uh, is jlandry at gsu.edu. Uh, my Twitter is uh, Coach Landry three, uh, just the number three, uh, and then my Instagram is 3D Strong.
0: Perfect. We'll include all of this information in the media notes, and we'll include this in our Instagram post as well, where we have some information, and we actually we will have some Justin kind of mention some stuff in there as well. But thank you guys again for listening and following us. We hope you learned something from our discussion today, and we use this. Knowledge of three dimensional strengthening and mobility to kind of get a leg up over your competition. So please rate us, subscribe, comment, and tell your friends. Let's walk for life. Hey, Justin, thanks for coming on, man. No problem. Thank you.